There was a movie in the 80s, I forget the name because it was such a heinous thing, starring Tom Hanks, where it was literally just fun. <gasps> Tom Hanks. Renee's but it was, favorite. It was, it was a young, like, babyface, like, oh. almost teenager Tom Hanks. Wow. Babyface Tom Hanks. Um, but it was like, it was a movie funded by all these, like, uh, Christian people. And it was, like, the story of a kid with mental illness who finds Ooh. this game, and then he starts, like, going insane and thinking, like, oh, this is, like, the real world, and he's, like, consorting with the devil. It's like, that's a Bandersnatch lot. He was a lot. needs to be a <laughs> Right, except, <laughs> except not good, because that would be dope. Yeah, that actually would be amazing. <laughs> Fucking hot in here. It's so motherfucking hot in here. Um, this is your next obsession, brought to you by us, Quinn and Renee. Welcome back to our legion of fans. Uh, who are legion. all of you? Mm-hmm. Yes, this is your next obsession, where we talk about our niche obsessions mm-hmm. because we all got them. We all love them, and uh, we don't talk about them enough. We don't talk about them enough, and honestly, right? You really you get a you get a lot of bang for your buck with this pod in terms of. Uh, intimate knowledge of strangers. It's V true. We go we go real deep real quick. Yeah, Speaking do. of which, we have a guest again today. Hello, I'm here. Oh, no. <laughs> didn't even introduce you. Matt, Matt. Hello. Hello. Matthew. Yes. We Matt. don't we don't do last names here. That's fine. It's modern anyway. Obsessions anonymous. <laughs> As you will undoubtedly embarrass yourself. And so I probably already have. Well, and also so many people listen, we don't want them like stalking you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's for your own safety. Until we I'm get flattered. Until like this podcast gets so crazy that people want to come on to like promote their own stuff, like mm-hmm. then we'll do then we'll do full identities, but until that time, we have a plan. We have a plan for every contingency. Yeah, until we are sponsored by multi-billion-dollar corporations, casually, and yeah. not just our parents. Um, <laughs> this episode, I plan to keep you all posted. It is currently eighty-two degrees in my apartment, and the temperature it is, climb. It is only rising. Don't so name the devil, Jesus. <laughs> okay, so uh, yes. Matt, 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 you're here to tell us about your. Is it your biggest obsession, or just, or one, just of one of many? Um, uh, one of many, but uh, uh, in like recent years, it's become huge, uh, just because of the cultural climate and whatnot. Okay. Huge, like in the world, or huge for you? Um, huge for me, but it's okay. also become pretty huge in the world. Honestly, in the past few years. Oh, all right, yeah. let's just say it. People are waiting with bated breath. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm obsessed with uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, hail Satan. Uh, specifically, um, the, the history. And origins and the minutia of the game, the can surrounding it, which I feel like is a, even a more niche obsession within the obsession of D anD. d So a lot oh, of right, people yeah. like mm-hmm. play socially. Like I've played socially, I've and, played. And just to like just to play it right with people mm-hmm. who have played it before in other groups or whatever. But uh, at no point did anybody ever sit me down and was like, "Quinn, here's everything you need to know about D anD." d Like I think my introduction was like, "Eh, you just fuck around." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my introduction was like I, uh, an old job of mine. Somebody brought it together and just she brought in like character sheets each day mm-hmm. and those huge ass fucking books of like oh, all yes. the things and so we each got to like research it and pick our characters and we designed them online it was very exciting so mm-hmm. yes tell us tell us how this became uh dozen dragons came about um in the about started in the early 70s between two guys uh one's name was jeff perrin not as famous as the second guy who is gary gygax uh, again hell satan 
But it's like the same you want, you know? He's like a nice guy. He's the devil you know. Yeah, gets to know, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So uh, they both uh, worked in, like, the the board game industry, and they were coming up with, um, uh, like, an idea for a new kind of board game, if you will, a kind of social experience, not necessarily, Mm -hmm. like, um, just something with rules, but, like, something that could pretty much anyone could play it, anyone could um, just, like, live out their most diverse fantasies. Mm. So... Two of them together, they started uh, developing what was uh, just at the time called the fantasy game, because they didn't have a name yet. Uh, and Gary started... Uh, they didn't really know their genre. Yeah, yeah truly, yeah. <laughs> Quite really, on the head there. Really hit the nail on the head. <laughs> uh, but it only gets worse. Gary started like going around to his community, people he knows, uh, friends of his, uh, his family, like his, his children, Cindy and Luke, those were their names. God, I would have paid myself... And his wife, Mary Lou, um, they all, they would, as a family, get together and he would uh, play test it with him, which he would try out the rules of the game with them. Yeah. And like, they were like actually a big part as to how the games start like to like pick up steam. Like he would, Mm. his son would come home from school. He had this character named uh, Melf. He was just an elf with an M. He would just play one-on-one sessions with his Mm. son and his son like play, liked playing like a wizard. His uh, character was a, was Melf and he was a wizard. And, um, it was a wizard, not an elf. It was a wizard and an elf. You could be oh, two God, things. I forget. We'll get to the I'm so sorry. How my character when I played was a dragonborn bard named Carol. I keep That's so diverse. Thank you. <laughs> I told you what mine was before and I completely forgot. Tiefling. Yes, yes. Oh, she, yeah, she Demon was person. Very unbranded. Purple, I believe. Yeah, she was purple with a sparkly horn. Oh, yes, of course. Sparkly horn. Which is a thing you can do. You can yeah. do anything. It's so exciting. Like they were developing magic, so he would develop the magic with his son, his uh, daughter. Came up with a name, uh, like, uh, like I think he asked her, um, so what do we want to play tonight? And she says, I want something with Dungeons and Dragons. <gasps> and therefore, da 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 da, here we have Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, that's, that's so awesome. cute. Here we I are, never so knew that's what they called it. Yeah. Because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but since anyone can play it, it can literally be anything. You don't have to have dungeons or dragons. No, no but, <laughs> but um, it's not a requirement. Mm-hmm. But like uh, decades ago, that's pretty much all it was, right? Because they were just trying out. It was just it was just like a kind of board game. So it started as a board game. Yes, and you can still buy the board. Game. There is a board yeah. game. It's like well, there well they divided it up into editions. But there's the first edition where it was like the most like overwhelmed. <laughs> yes, where it was like the most like a board game where they okay. like they give you a set kind of things. Like they had this pre-made dungeon, mm. and they had a magazine back then. Also, when they got their uh, company up and running, mm. Dungeon Magazine, where they would put out adventures for your um, oh, you and your friends to go on. That's fun. Um, but back then, it was like so bare bones. You died literally all the time. <laughs> that's awesome. Like it was, <laughs> it was, um, like it, it was vicious. Classic. Yeah, um, you die multiple times. <laughs> Everybody dies just all the time. Just a lot. But you can also do like a like a limited amount of things. But this was also during the time of like the satanic panic if anyone knows about that no enlightened I'm sorry what? Yes. <laughs> it, was the, it was the day it was oh, the day of like that so say, this was like 70s cresting into the 80s because then people started sick being like uh, this is actually really fun mm. and they started buying dice and like uh, comic book shops started selling dice and so right. people started and because getting, it's all like vaguely mythical vaguely fantasy were right. there some like people thought there was some satanic tie-in oh god bunch of moms got together in the midwest and were like <gasps> there are demons in this book Let they me. are my son is summoning satan can I Little just p- ask were they Christian because they were all of them were they white? Yeah. Were they all white? 
No, because that would be too hard. They all live in the same cul-de-sac. <laughs> uh, so there was a there was a big thing where like people really wanted to play this game, but they also um, would either a get beat up for playing this game or be get in trouble with their parents so they would actually go out into the woods um, with their friends in very clandestine midnight rendezvous and roll dice and slay dragons I know it's like sweet and sad that people were like mean to them but that is literally the dorkiest thing I've ever heard I know but it's so great but it's also like you were making fun of them and then forced them into them doing a more secretive thing that like Oh, <laughs> it's a lot, but itself. As time went on, people were like, "Oh, we're intelligent now. It's just a board game." Yeah, it's just a board game. A lot of, lot of okay. So it started as this board game, mm-hmm. and then they started releasing more and more editions. Yeah, and like information magazines, game. right? In addition like. to the magazines, and it started like franchising and branching off. And yes, stuff. around like the eighties is when they started. Is when they re- is when the company was like, "Hey, we're getting a lot of kids beat up, and we're also getting in trouble and sued." Let's take out all the demons. So they took out all references to demons. But they also were like... It's okay, Gwen, they come back. (laughs) (laughs) But like, people didn't like dying all the time. Yeah. Because people were starting to realize, oh, they want to go on their adventures Mm -hmm. as fantasy characters with their friends. Mm -hmm. So they added more things. They added more things you could fight. They added um, uh, more classes you could play, more uh, races you could play as. Around, like, 80s into 90s is when you get this era of, like, kind of like the Pulp Fiction D&D, mm. where it started cresting out of, like, um, formal board game and turning into this, like, zeitgeisty thing, where pretty soon, like, the company um, that was making D&D at the time was drawing from all sorts of uh, sources, like um, the literary works of Burroughs, Merlitt, um, H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, wow. A lot from Tolkien. Like, right, they that, took, that tracks. They took <laughs> Hobbits, they took Ents, they took Orcs. And pretty soon, like, after a while, um, the estates were like, hey, you're plagiarizing <laughs> off of us. That. Stop <laughs> it. It's a real decoupage. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they were like, hey, we kind of can't stop doing this anymore because we're... Still getting sued. They were real scrappy, like, guerrilla right. creators back then. They didn't have a plan. It's yeah. basically the, the, the right. takeaway. So when they started getting in trouble with copyright people, they were like, we can just change the names. So Yeah, really, just have them yeah. have the same abilities. But, like, exactly. name them yeah. Melf. Uh, <laughs> Treants just became... Uh, no, Ents just became Treants. Um, mm-hmm. Hobbits just became Halflings. Oh, right. They took. Okay. Uh, they okay. kept orcs. They could keep orcs um, because technically orcs were public domain. Mm. A lot of people know this. It's like I don't. I think they're like a Welsh legend or an African legend, but they're just like orkai or something. They named everything different. Um, so that was second edition. That's when it started like gaining traction. That's when they started like coming up with modules, is what they called them. So whereas as the magazine kind of died out, they had kind of like they started putting up books. It's probably yes, a friend of the books. Yes, 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 yes. So these were like um, homegrown adventures. They came out with like monster manuals and spell manuals and adventure yep, manuals. Yep, I read those. Yeah, yeah. And as time like uh, went on, like these uh, adventures started to become infamous. They started compiling all these things and they started making like a canon. For like, it's like a Marvel Cinematic Universe only. Mm-hmm. It's all pretend. Oh. Um, so it's. I'm sorry, just to rewind real quick. Is the Marvel Cinematic Universe real? Not, not pretend? No, of course not. <laughs> of course <laughs> not. <laughs> Quickly clarify. What part of it is real? I'm not at liberty to say. <laughs> <laughs> at any rate, 
So uh, they started creating this, like, their own universe mm-hmm. called the Forgotten Realms. Yeah. And it's basically, like, an entire, like, universe onto itself. There's different dimensions. There's different continents. There's, like, an Asia-equivalent continent. There's an Arabian-equivalent yeah. continent. That's when they started coming out with, like, the really famous stuff. Because I don't know if you ever heard of uh, Tomb of Horrors. Did no. Really famous. Like, it was, like, an event. Whereas the MCU will have movies that aren't real, he said, trying to He's prevent... Con- convincingly. <laughs> trying to prevent the Marvel gods okay, from undoing We have, we have friends it. who work at Marvel. We know things. We have, friend who works at Marvel. We have a single friend who works at Marvel, and she's never once given us any secrets. No. Because she yeah. can't. When they came out with like this, this book called Tomb of Horrors, basically there was this entity, a lich lord, basically an undead necromancer who could like live for the rest of his kind life. Kind of like, isn't there a lich in Adventure Time? Is yeah, that, that's exactly what is. Is uh, it just taken yeah. straight from D&D? So yeah, yes, oh, exactly. Wow. That's awesome. They actually had Pendleton Ward, uh, the guy who uh-huh. made Adventure Time, come in and help them build adventures in the modern wow. day. But we'll get, we'll, so we'll cool. get there. Don't, don't you worry. Come on, Gwen. But they came up with, with the stuff like liches. Like, that mm-hmm. was all them. And then Warcraft borrowed from them, et cetera, et cetera, because mm-hmm. it's all technically public domain, the idea right. of a lich. But there was this guy, his name was Aserarak, bless me. It was basically, um, part of the rules of D&D was, um, if your character dies, what they did is they gave the cleric, the guy who heals people on the adventuring parties, the ability to raise people from the dead. Because in the first edition, everyone died all the time, so they amended that. But what they came out with in this adventure was basically, in the entire world, entire zeitgeist that people were playing Dungeons and Dragons, um, this guy named Aserarak put a death curse on the whole, basically the whole of Dungeons and Dragons. So um, if you play Tomb of Horrors, um, you couldn't uh, return people back from the dead, and anyone who was returned from the dead um, just, like, crumbled into ashes. So it was like this world-spanning event, and people were like, oh, this is so cool, it's like it's, like it's a real place. But <laughs> Tomb of Horrors was notorious. I played it once. I didn't even get past, like, the first level of the dungeon. It was, like, in this kind of, like, lost world continent where there were dinosaurs still around and people wow. were riding on velociraptors. I rid a velociraptor. It was completely in my head, but it's to this day the dopest <laughs> thing I did at 11. <laughs> That's where I peaked. That sounds pretty downhill ever since. When you rode a velociraptor in your mind. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Can I do that anytime? Sure. But I did it with people around who agreed with me that it was happening. Exactly. Yeah. Much like theater. So um, then um, in the 90s, um, their kind of the company went under. The name was oh. TRS. I could be uh, mistaken. Uh, I think Gary Gygax died. Mm. Uh, we now have a, a, in the D&D community, we have a holiday commemorating oh. his birthday called Gygax Day. Wow. Bless him. Cute. So around the 90s, uh, Wizards of the Coast, um, who now own uh, Dungeons & Dragons, goodness gracious, it's getting hot. I just, I just now felt it. Um, it's 83. It's, it's, it's now 83. That's exciting. <laughs> it's like a very painful Geiger counter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wizards of the Coast bought them, and that's when they came out with third edition. Basically, you had all these different creative minds jump mm-hmm. on board and add on to what Gygax and his company were making. And you had all these different creative people coming in and out, adding different... Uh, different monsters, different adventures, adding things to the continent. You had, like, novelists come in and flesh out whole, like, places to be. They drew up this giant, like, map of basically this is the Forgotten Realms, and basically novelists would come in who were, like, wanted to write for their stories and were, like, and they, like, point to, like, things to, like, little tiny inlets that are 
uh, writer, like uh, that the map drawer made that didn't have a name. And mm. they would ask, what's that? And they were like, we don't know. He say, that's mine now. That's where my story is going to take place. That's basically, um, you know, R.A. Salvatore. He's like, no, no. Yeah, he, he, um, is famous for like, uh, the Drizdo Erden stories. It's basically, it's like the most recognizable, like, novel series based on Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, okay. But he basically came in and was like, that's called, um, uh, Icewind Dale. And it's going to feature this guy doing this thing in this place. And it became this whole story. Uh, when he was in a different meeting, um, his publisher was asking, uh, what can I tell to um, uh, the developers? Like, what's your next series that you're working on? And he was like scrapped. He's like, okay, it's going to, he made it up completely on the spot. It's going to feature the story of Drizdo Erden of Menzo Baranan. And they're like, great. Okay, now I have to no, make this thing. Yeah, and, it's, and, it, and it's what made him famous. Wow. It's what he made it up on the spot. And now, like, in the Dungeons & Dragons world, there is a place called Menzo Baranon. It's where all the Dark Elves live, and Driz Dorden is a real person you can meet. Uh, so, like, by third edition, things started to get so much more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, adding um, different... So many different deities, like different races at different deities. There's like maybe 50 different deities. Basically, it just exploded mm. in terms of. So, what time, you know, like things. what time period was this? It started around 97. They started like refining the things you could do. Like, they basically wanted to compete with like video games. So, like mm. around the mid 2000s, early 2000s, they came out with fourth edition and people hated it. Oh, no. I tried playing well, it. It was bad to happen. Because it, it, yeah. just, it just became so much. It became so hard. Like, that it wasn't even fun anymore. It was just, like, too many options. Yeah, it was too complicated. Yeah. Um, you could multi-class. You could take a class within uh, a class. Yeah, that... You could take two classes at once. No, Well, no one liked how it played. There was a lot of fun things happening. They tried to keep it relevant and interesting. They soon realized that no one was liking 4th edition. Mm-hmm. So, by 2012, uh, new people came on board as leading. And they started coming out with the current edition, which was 5th edition, which is the current one that plays and uh, the one I play, and I love it, makes so many things easier. They started, like, they had this, like, world cataclysmic event in the zeitgeist called um, the Spell Plague. Basically, it kind of, like, threw everything out of whack. A lot of gods got killed. Oh. A lot of planes of existence merged together. Okay. They had, like, different models for, like, how all the planes of reality existed, and it just kept getting more and more complicated. So... When this, um, when this goddess of magic died, it sent ripples throughout everything, changed everything around. Sort of like a, a soft reset as opposed yes. to a hard reset. Precisely. Okay. Exactly. What it, it, they, um, the new creators just wrote themselves out of the complex okay. nature of everything that oh, came okay. before. There you go. That's, that's, yeah. that's like a moral of the story you can write yourself out of anything. And it's true. true. So I have a question, though, about how this works. So let's say I was doing a campaign. Did, did you get, like, a memo? Actually, this relates to the question I had, which is like, where do these conversations about D and D take place? Is it mostly online? Where online? Like, how did you know that this whole spell thing was happening, and then did it affect the campaign that you were in the middle of? Because it was like, hey, X, Y, and Z have changed. Like, plan accordingly, or like, oh, if you could do this magic spell and you can't anymore, like, how is your character Mm -hmm. different? Like, how did you know that this happened? Well, with the various change, I I thankfully got involved, got interested in it um, in the age of the internet. So they could literally just put out addendums to the rules online. Okay. And I would get that. But back in the heyday, um, all people had to do was just wait for the next edition of Dungeon Magazine. Okay. Get the new book 
Um, so they came out with a new book that was a spell plague, but everything was eradicated, everything was a soft reset, and then they transitioned into 5th edition. Now in this day, in, during, in the age of 5th edition, is when you have, like, Dungeons & Dragons gain prominence again, mm-hmm. and now just exploding as, like, uh, a cultural thing, which okay. is what you were asking before. I have before. a question yeah. about that. Sorry, say, finish the, my first question. That was, that, uh, what was your, uh, About, like, where these come, like, where on the internet, are like, the D&D forums? Like, I know there's definitely, like, D&D websites, like, tons yeah, of them. Yeah, of course, yeah. In, in the old days, um, you would just, like, maybe know a person who knows a person, mm-hmm. and they would get you into D&D. It was basically just word of mouth mm-hmm. and meeting people at comic shops and conventions and stuff. Now, there are forums and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but for the most part, I don't, I never found a lot of the games I did by forums. I found it by meeting people who just sure. conveniently mentioned that they they like D and D, yeah. And I can all through like midway through college, I realized like a lot of the people I knew and that we all knew um, liked Dungeons and Dragons and wanted to play a game. And I'm like, why was this not the first thing you told that's me to do? That's exactly what you said to me like a few weeks ago. I like, say that to was, everyone. Did you because it's like it it's sounds a, like yeah. you have a good edge like you're not you're not like some people when a lot of people start liking the thing they've liked for a long time like oh but I've liked this for so long I like it more and harder than you but it seems like you're like no great more people do yeah because it. it seems like when you love something a lot yeah. you want to share it with yeah I want people. other people to be nerdy about the things yeah, I'm nerdy about right. so I can share it with people like I can't play Dungeons and Dragons by myself exactly yeah, I mean, that's you can, like, you can listen to a you can listen to like an obscure album by yourself but like, right yeah you're lame and an did you like Passenger before everybody else? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so yeah. we're currently on the 5th edition. 5th edition, that's what's going on right now. Okay. Now is the time where, like, Wizards of the Coast is, and Dungeons & Dragons are bringing in, like, Pendleton Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Pendleton Ward actually helped them update uh, Tomb of Horrors. Cool. And made it made it less hard. And they basically say, the death curse is happening again because a Serac is back. And we're like, oh, yes, we're going to go to Chilt again. I'm going to ride on a mammoth or a Velociraptor, whatever it takes. I'm going to get that Lich Lord. There you go. Still haven't done it. <laughs> but you will. But I will. Okay, so my, my next question is, uh, like, I'm sure there were a lot of different things that contributed to the more recent explosion of people playing D&D. Do we think that maybe, was, like, Stranger Things? Yeah. Yeah. What about it? <laughs> Do we think that was Stranger Things contributed to that? Like, when Stranger Things blew up, everybody was like, oh, yeah, D&D is D&D cool. Is maybe thing. we should do that. Seeing things like that, that definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Seeing people who, like, like seeing D&D in a positive light. They know Dungeons and Dragons, therefore they could defeat this eldritch inter- interdimensional creature. Yeah. Demogorgon is a very real monster that exists. As do, because they name it. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's like a Demogorgon. Yeah. Like, yes. In well, D&D. Yeah. I mean, when you when you see the thing in Stranger Things, that's nothing of what a Demogorgon looks like. Right. It's right. far worse. No, because that was the whole thing is like they just had to name it. Yeah. Like to have an enemy. Though, um, when they describe the later things as like mind flayers, the, those are kind of mind flayers are like. Oh, okay. But they're more like, they're more like, you know, Cthulhu? The, 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 thing, no. the, the thing with the squid, the Lovecraftian. Oh, God. sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. But what, what I think is like making it, what started really picking up was mm. I think before Stranger Things, what you mentioned before was like um, uh, D&D podcasts. Mm. In my opinion, this started with like a show that to this day remains like one of my favorite um, D, uh, D&D podcasts is Critical Role. Yeah. They have a I'm huge fandom. with that. Who's your friend? I will not say her name on air, but I worked with her and she was the one who like mm. introduced all of us into okay. it. Actually, you guys would be really good friends. Great. Perfect. <laughs> <Give> you remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all I, I They're just They're going to get married now. <laughs> yeah. um, Critical Role. Yeah, Critical um, Role is huge. 
huge. Yeah. Deal. And I think it, it wasn't it. Well, sorry, you explain it first for people who don't know it. It's a bunch of um, self-described nerdy-ass voice actors getting mm-hmm. together, playing Dungeons & Dragons. They had their own home game that they were just playing. A lot of really famous voice actors. People probably have heard their voices. Yeah, they just don't know their names or faces. Famous. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, not even like... They, they were approached by like Felicia Day, who's like starting her own like uh, production company called uh, Geek & Sundry, putting mm-hmm. out digital content for nerds. Um, and they were like, hey, this is career opportunity. We hear you guys play Dungeons and & Dragons, and you're all like really good actors and voice actors. We want to experiment with this new format because we know that like some other D&D podcasts have been going on for a while, but they're not really like actor people. Right. And they're mostly like funny things going on, mm-hmm. sure. like Adventures Incorporated, uh, the McElroys, Right, like, because when I played D&D, it was basically just, like, a chance to fuck around and, like, improv with each other, yeah. more or less. <laughs> yeah. And that's a way to play, and it's so valid. Yeah. And, and even if you only have want to have small amounts of that, mm-hmm. you can still, like, play overarching stories yeah. and get, like, really invested in a character. When, act, when I play with actors, it's the most fun I've ever had, yeah. right. honestly, because... Because no one, no one gets into it as much as an actor Ugh, does. None so of the true. people I played with really got into it, which is kind of why it fell apart. Mm. Which is why I really want to play again with my same character, but with new people. I I, I can help you <laughs> in ways I can't even describe. Oh Trust God, me, that I can tell you. Amazing. It'll happen. They critical role. Um, critical role. They started like um, they started playing streaming. Uh, they were like, eh, maybe this will pick up. Maybe it won't. But it's just a fun thing to do. And if it fails, they just go back to playing their own game. But people loved it because. Mm. They, they are they are so committed and it's but it also like they dick around sometimes right. and they crack jokes and because it's all improvisational and it's at times live it's so funny right. it's, so it's like, not scripted yeah, it's not scripted no, it's at all them just doing it's, a campaign it's, it's like live theater it's like right. live theater and filmed it's a whole thing it's devised theater guys. yes D D is just devised it is but it like it is though but like good device theater you know which exists. Somewhere in the world, <laughs> um, and they've like taken off. They broke from Deacon Geek and Sundry. They now have. Oh, their, really? Yeah, they have their own company because they realize we're like losing out on so much money because yeah. we're basically making a name for Geek and Sundry. Geek and Sundry didn't like own the rights to them play. I mean, I guess you couldn't because it's just them playing. Yeah, it's their inter- it's their intellectual mm-hmm. property exactly. essentially. That's that's what basically Geek and Sundry promised them. You have right. complete, we. Will not tell you what to do, what to write, right. what to play. Just do your own thing. We'll stream it. But if anything, it was mutually beneficial because then Geek and Sundry got a lot of attention. Right. Sure. And now it can be like, its own thing and stand on its own. And Critical Role can go. Oh yeah, they, are they still called Critical Role? Like, were they allowed to keep that name? Yeah, that too. Okay, cool. <laughs> they were like they were like so understanding. Like you guys made us exactly. like go off and do your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like There's you would want to be on good terms because yeah. you would want that relationship. Yeah. To- doesn't Joe Manganiello? Joe Manganiello, yes. Yes. He's Sofia Vergara's husband. He was. He's like. Magic you would know him if you saw him. Wait, he's on Critical Role. He was on Critical Role. Yeah, yeah. he wow. was he had like an entire season. Like he had like a whole. He was in their last episode, and he betrayed them. Oh, I saw. Yeah, I saw that episode. That it was. Boy, it was the one. best thing I've ever yeah, seen. It was honestly so dramatic. People started crying. Like it was a lot. Yeah, I was like, oh, it was a lot. This is awesome. <laughs> because we're all so invested because yeah. it's like, it's a good story, and but it's something that's constantly evolving. Right, so it's you feel like yeah. you're a part of it. Instant, right? Heck yeah. Because they're creating those characters, so you are going to go along with it. Like we were saying before, it's like, if you just agree, 
yeah. to believe in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get invested pretty fucking quickly. Totally. No different than a TV show. No. Which essentially it's really, really not. I think it is more, you maybe get more invested in a TV show. Because in a TV show, you're just like, it's already done and completed by the time you're experiencing it, right? Like, yeah. you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, like, except for Love Island, that was live and uh, <laughs> I forgot to about what happens. Right. So. Except for Love Island. <laughs> the, uh, the actors and the characters are like living it at the same time I am. And yeah. that's what makes it more prevalent in my mind. Mm. Yeah, they're making choices yeah. based on it. And they don't have control over the dice. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. No, yeah. They could fall out a window exactly. and charging at the bad yeah. guy. Yeah. Which <laughs> almost, which happened, and it was the funniest thing. Now they're, like, so big. Um, I don't know if, like, they made waves when it initially happened, like, a couple months ago. Mm. But they were kind of, like, toying with the idea of maybe doing, like, an animated special. Wow. Oh, that'd be cute. Well, yeah. because they were all voice actors. Yeah. So that would so be perfect. They were like, why don't we just try it? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So they put out a Kickstarter. We're like, okay, we're asking for... $750,000. It's going to be like a month, That's month a and a half. Plans. I mean, it's a month, month and a half. Hard. We're going to try this. We're going to see if we can get the money. We have a whole campaign plan. Do they made like $2 million. They, <laughs> they made three and a half million in a day. What? That is they, they, were, they were all literally just going about their day <laughs> and they were all posting on social media. They were like, what's happening? What's good? Thank you. Um, it sounded like they had a lot of fans. If each fan only donated like five dollars, that yeah. would still be a shit ton of money. It was crazy. There was like in the first day, there was like um, two hundred thousand people who donated. Wow! And by the end of the campaign, they like were. I think they arrived at about nine million dollars. Jesus Christ! It was so. If they, when they reached nine million, they made a record on Kickstarter as wow. like the most funded creative project. They surpassed the original one, uh, Mystery Science Theater, Theater oh, right, three thousand, right, right. and they. Yeah surpassed them like in a day, day and a half. They made Forbes, they made M- NBC News. Wow. Like, Wait, is there Kickstarters that have made more than $9 million? Cre- the creative project. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, like a, like a show or yeah. a board game or something like that. That's really cool. Oh, mm-hmm. I see, I see, I see. 84 has heating up. Oh! This one goes to yeah. 11. No, this one goes here. to 11. I'm like, yeah. I'd like to ask, like, what, what originally got you into D&D? Like, what, what what was it about it that made you passionate about it? Like, when you first and started And part playing? two is I know that there are a lot of people who are very passionate about D&D, but not necessarily, like, the history and the origins of it. So second on to uh-huh. your question is, which came first? Um, Loving the history or getting into the game and being like, I want to know more. I'll, I'll answer yours first because it's quicker. Okay, um, the the, um, uh, the game came that first. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I found out there was a whole Right, because it's community. just like, it starts out just like playing with people you love, playing with people you like hanging out with, and that's mm-hmm. awesome, right, in and of itself, but you add in, like, yeah. all this fun stuff, and if you're already, like, a passionate creative person, like, it just, it's, right. it's such mm-hmm. a slam dunk, such a gold mine. Yeah, it was no different than, like, getting involved, like, getting really into, like, a book series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just so much more, than there's so much yeah. more content. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and and presumably no end in sight. Exactly. No, yeah, they are going strong. So for Quinn's question, how did you get into D anD D, and then what made you then want to like learn about the history of it? Well, when I was a kid, um, I would enjoy just like going in the backyard and doing what I called playing with my imagination, mm-hmm. and I just played pretend all the time. I would watch TV shows, and literally, I would like come up with a character insert them into the episode and like okay my character would say this at this point <laughs> i did that all through spongebob nice that was, was such a dork and um when i found out like dungeons and dragons like um existed from friends of mine um 
I had um, an old teacher of mine like play a game for me and my friends, and I just got so that's because it was just that it was just that all the time. I could I could be Lord of the Rings essentially, only it'd be so much cooler because I could have an effect with what was going on, and it just snowballed from there mm. till my nerdy self today. <laughs> yeah, beautiful, beautiful nerd bloom. Yeah. Ugh. This is amazing. I'm so glad that you talked to us not just about like loving D&D, but also the history of it. Because right. I feel like so many people don't know it, even though you can yeah. just like look it up on Wikipedia. I mean, we truly, literally uh, have only scratched the surface. I honestly still have so many fucking questions. But, like, that's so fun. And For one to have me back. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, this will be a multi-season two. <laughs> We've talked about having catch-ups in season two. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a lot. We covered a lot of ground. We really did. Oh, oh, I would like it to be noted. For our millions of viewers, and by viewers I mean listeners. So a lot of the times, Quinn and I, are, we like prep the episode, and it's like, okay, these are the things I know I want to say, and we have notes. I would like it to be noted yeah. that Matt came in, sat his pretty little booty down, and just... All of this just gushed from his mouth. All of these names and dates and versions. Psalms notes. Matthew is fully marinated in the world of D&D. It speaks to how much you love it. Exactly. It's wonderful. Thank you. Um, Is it, I think it's segment time. It's segment time. Segment Segment time. Um, We're doing this, I believe. Um, So to explain it to our listeners who perhaps have not heard it before... This, I believe, is just a quick, rapid-fire going around the room with things we either believe as in, like, value, core beliefs of who we are, but that are very niche, Mm -hmm. or, like, things you believe in, like unicorns or theories about the world that you just believe are true. Okay, so this, I believe. I believe that we are all um, given one song by the universe that follows us throughout our lives. Wow. This is not the same as your favorite song. It may not even be a song that you like, but it is a song that over time you realize just like keeps popping up. And mine is the Sultans of Swing by Dire Straits. Do you know why? No, no. No, just that is the song that the universe gifted me. And every single time it comes on the radio, I take a picture of the radio because I have like a whole album on my phone on different stations, different times in my life. Wow. And the best part of it is I know none of the words. Really good. <laughs> Even though it's on all the time. And it just follows me. And we all have one. And if you like pay enough attention to your life, it, you'll know what it is. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I'm trying to think about mine with me. I think it would your be. Your song? I think it would either be Santeria. Yeah. Okay. That I see that. I, I see think that. that song has followed me around. Country roads. But oh, the, that's yeah. yeah. Before yeah, it became me. Cool. Quint. Um, this I believe, and this is going to get only slightly personal because, like, because uh, I have lesbian parents. I believe that any any person who was raised by lesbians would be a great partner. Are you saying okay. that you're a great partner? Yeah, I really think <laughs> okay. I am. I think I am. This, is, this was just a long you and your sisters for yourself. Listen, I'm not perfect. We all know that. I, lesbians can't make you perfect, but they'll get you close. Pretty close. <laughs> like, the closest you'll ever become yeah. is being raised by lesbians. <laughs> or just like, you know, it doesn't even be like they have to be a primary parent. Just like, you know what I'm saying. It's just like, they're good. The le- and I, I, I would like to add on to that, mm-hmm. that lesbians um, also, I feel, make themselves mothers to people who are not biologically their children. So true. And also something Quinn and I talk about a lot is the Venn diagram of lesbians and Jews. Mm -hmm. 
It's, it's a basically circle. a circle. It's just like <laughs> an overlapping circle. So I'd like to extend that to like the lesbian Jews. Yeah. Really know how to make a fucking community. They really do. <laughs> they really do. Um, um, okay. I think I know the rules now. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Not always, but more often than not, I feel as though women treat their cars the way men treat their apartments. Yeah. Yeah, that's super fucking true. Yeah. Explain what you mean. Yeah, you dive deeper. All of all of my deeper. friends, whenever I get into their car, I'm always prompted with, sorry, my car is a mess. Oh, okay. It's, and it always is. Yeah, it's, it's always <laughs> But I true. walk into their apartments and like, yeah, it's decently clean. I But um, I walk into a dude's apartment, like my dude, my apartment, I fight it as hard as I can mm-hmm. when I'm a slob, I leave clothes on the floor whenever I change. But it all, it's always some level of dirty whenever right. I come in. But, guys, cars. Honestly. So clean. Nothing's I, in there. My car is spotless. Perfect. Seems like we really packed this episode. I think we really did. Off the top of my head, I don't have another one. Okay. I, st- I, I stand by I my police. I definitely But I believe you. Do you want to close with a, just, like, one fun D&D fact? Mm. Or, like, a small thing people might not know. Like, oh, if you go to the there's so many. forest of <laughs> shelves. <laughs> Which are she you mean, a, you mean, Do you mean a library? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been in the house. I don't know why that's the first thing I saw. I don't think it could happen. I think that's the first thing. No, let's. No, I can't. I'm not even going to try it. Also known as the container store. Alright, Matt, thank you so thank much you for being with us in this sauna. And we're obsessed with you. We are obsessed with you. Oh, shh. So happy to be in your life. Yeah, and it's, it's still 84 degrees. Oof. Thanks, everybody. That's 84 degrees to Betty. We're going to open the window now. Bye. Bye. <laughs>Your next obsession. Locally produced in a very hot apartment in Los Angeles. We're your hosts, Quinn and Renee. Special thanks to Jono for our music, Dean for our graphics, and Quinn for editing. You're welcome. Let us know what you thought of this episode by leaving a comment and don't forget to subscribe. For more information on us and the show, search Your Next Obsession Podcast on all the social medias and or send an email to yournextobsessionpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks thanks for for listening. listening. We're adorable. We're so cute.